It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. Uh, Cameron Lemons Debro here. It is Boston College Week, the rivalry. Always a really fun one and weird game for Wake Forest to play. Um, I haven't been able to watch too much of BC just yet, so I decided to enlist some help. Um, today I have with me AJ Black from Eagle Insider. AJ, how are you doing today? Cam, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem, no problem. Um, I mean, I just kind of want to start out with the obvious question, you know, what's What's been going on with the BC this year? That it that's the that's the million dollar question everyone that has me on wants to know about and it all starts and ends with the offensive line for me. And BC I I went into the season with with a a proposition for this program and I said going into this year if BC's offensive line who lost all five of their starters from last year. Christian Mahogany was the only one that didn't graduate, but he blew out his ACL before spring practice or after spring practice playing basketball. Um, if, if they could just be serviceable, this team would be okay. And, uh, you know, they had a couple full star recruits on that line, you know, Drew Kendall, son of Pete Kendall, who's a big NFL player. You saw right. him. Um, you saw some of these other names coming up and, and you, and they're not, just freshmen it's not like that's just like a youth issue like but if they could play well or a play decent they'd be okay well the Rutgers game happens the first drive that happens Drew Kendall snaps a, a ball that like completely whiffs on Phil Dracovic and that just set the tone for everything that we've seen from here on out oh no <laughs> they they haven't been serviced they haven't been they're 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 atrocious they're really bad and it is impacting all three phases of the game because the offense can't run the ball. They can't do anything. They, they have the, the league's worst uh, run per yards, uh, yards per run in, in the country. The most, the least amount of yards per game in the country because they get no push at all. Jakovic's getting crushed back there. Uh, he has like, I think the second or third highest uh, pass rush uh, success rate against him in the country. They uh, can't get, keep this. They can't keep. So he's his his psyche is just shattered. So you you know anyone who watched Dracovic in 2020 and you watched him during that pandemic year, you saw a guy that was like, oh yeah, here's this quarterback that's you know he's built like Ben Roethlisberger. He's big. He's he he can shed off tackles. He played really well against Clemson and Notre Dame and all these other games. He gets hurt last year, comes back, and now he's getting hit all over the place, and he just looks. You know, I think it was Sam Darnold that said it when he was playing against the Patriots that he was seeing oh, ghosts no. out there. Oh, no. <laughs> it's he hasn't said it, but it feels like that. It feels like he's seeing ghosts because he now his his internal clock is so screwed up because he's getting hit so often that he just can't get him. Like he has no he he looks like a shell of himself. So that gets impacted, and then the defense 
is fine, but they're asked again to do everything and they get left out too long. And when they get left out too long and you'll see it against Wake Forest, a team that can really put up points fast, it gets hard for them. They don't have enough. There's just not enough there to like shut down an opposing offense. They do a good, I mean, they let up 10 points against Clemson in the first half. They, they did well, but by the second half, they just got gassed and that was it. Yeah. So before I get back to the offensive line, I do want to talk about that first half against Clemson. What went right there? Like what was, what was going on right in both sides of the ball? Like I said, at the very least, the defense looked good and the offense looked enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So credit to the coaching staff who, who's gotten a lot of, got a lot of flack this year. Some of it's justified, some of it's not that they realized that they needed to be a little gimmicky with how they addressed Dracovic in that line. Because I mean, I have my podcast and I said this offensive line against Clemson's defensive line. My only hope for this week is that Dracovic makes it out one piece Yeah, because he was going to get killed. And the, the staff did a nice job. They just kept rolling him out. They tried to move him around, try to like, you know, try to keep the pressure off of the offensive lineman and let Jakovic's legs do a little bit. So he had, he'd have enough time to make some passes. And he did, right. he did. And there was a combination of, you know, he didn't make the passes he needed to. There was some drops and then the offensive line again, like you just, they just couldn't do it. And so they'd get to the red zone. They did it. I think two or three times against Clemson and they, and they ended up only getting three points in those trips in that first half. And then, you know, after the, after the half Dabo and, you know, his defensive coordinator went and looked at the film and went, okay, so this is what they're going to do. Let's just keep sending guys to the outside and just kill him. And (laughs) so they tried it. They kept either, would either keep him in the pocket and lose one-to-one battles against that amazing offensive, a defensive line that Clemson has, or they just use speed rushers and get him on the outside. And that was, it just fell apart after that. So we've had, I mean, obviously we had that discussion about that. Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of optimism that the offensive line is necessary? Not fixed, because I mean, yep. you can't fix off in an ACL within a couple months. But is there any optimism that maybe this week or at least moving forward that it'll something will right the ship there? Yeah, you, you'd think so, right? <laughs> so you look at the pro football focus grades, and it was going in the right direction. Like it started off really bad, and even when you look at the Clemson game, the, it, the, the trend was still going in the right direction, even though it was against a really good opponent. So right. you felt like you were going, that that was happening, that they were starting to get, and, and you can see it. Like they're still bad, but they're not like um, otherworldly bad. Like they're starting to get some things. They're not like getting beat on the same stupid stunts over and over again. They're competent. <laughs> get, they're, they're, they're leaning towards that. However, Halfley had his press conference yesterday And center Drew Kendall, who got hurt in the Clemson game, we don't know what it is, has been held out of practice all week. I don't know if he's going to play. Halfley, I love Jeff Halfley. I think he's a great – I don't want to say he's a great coach yet because I'm not sure if he is. He's a a very engaging coach to talk to. He also gives the media literally nothing when it comes to injuries. And (laughs) I I don't blame him. Join the club. (laughs) Right? And so he – He's he says the word I, he, I'm hopeful, and that could mean he's out for the year. It means he could come back. We, I don't know. So Drew Kendall, and we don't get to see the practice because they closed practice. So I don't I don't know what's going on with him. So they could be without their starting center, and Finn Durstein, who is their starting guard, who is one of their higher rated uh, offensive linemen through the year, uh, who's a grad student, has missed the last two games and has also missed practice. So that's two <laughs> potential starting offensive linemen 
that could miss this game. And again, you'll have to wait till Pete Thamel because that's he's the guy that BC feeds all this info to like okay. two hours before the game. He'll probably tell Wake Forest fans who's going to be missing for BC on Saturday. I will make sure to put him on. <laughs> I always hit the little bell because I know right around the top, a little bit before kickoff, he's going to tell us who's, who's around, been- you know, it's three thirty games. So around you know, 1130 noon, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, now find that out. So I, there's a lot of bad or just not great going on in, in BC, but right. Good has been, I think the wide receiving core, especially Zay Flowers, who, I mean, right. the story during the off season was, him turning down what was it three hundred thousand from one school, six hundred k from another school to kind of stay yep. at BC. What has the wide receiver core really looked like this year, like with and without Zay Flowers? <laughs> so they started the season off with Halfley really saying that, that this year they're going to really put an emphasis on getting Zay the ball. Which you have a playmaker like that, that's what you should do, right? Right. <laughs> and they have done exactly that. I mean, like the targets. If you look at like the targets with Zay compared to. They they had a, they have a tight end George Takis who again could be out we don't know. Um, Joy, <laughs> they're starting tight end from uh, transfer from from Notre Dame. Um, but you look at the targets between Zay and like oh, Jalen Gill, who is their Ohio State transfer, and Jaden Williams, and it's it's crazy. Like J- Zay will go through a game and have like seventeen targets. J- uh, Jaden Williams will have like six, and then Jalen Gill will have like four. So it is so heavily skewed towards Zay and it doesn't even matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter for defenses because as much as they try, that's the one thing BC has been able to do all year is get the ball to him. Like it hasn't been completely consistent, but when they get it to him, he just does stuff that no other wide receiver I've ever seen at Boston college do. Um, And it's a, it's a real shame. I think, I think going into the season, You've heard that you, I mean, you obviously heard what he said about the NIL stuff, but like he had, like, this was like set up for a year where he could have been the guy at BC and really cemented his legacy as like one of the all time greats at BC because to do that and then to be able to do what he does on the field really could have set up some big things, but it hasn't gone that way. Now, the other guys with Flowers. Jaden Williams um, is, is, uh, I don't want to say maddening because I, I feel bad <laughs> saying that, but he's, he's very inconsistent. Um, and as a guy that Mitch Wolf, who writes with me, who does a lot of statistical analysis and game film watches, ponders why he's out there <laughs> because oh. he makes, he's good for mistakes that are like really bad mistakes, at least once a game. Now against Louisville, Dracovic was on a great drive. They had the offensive line clicking. He oh, threw a ball <laughs> right into Jaden Williams' chest, and it bounced right off his chest and into the arms of a Louisville defender. Like, that happened against Clemson. It was third and seven, I believe, and they were in the red zone. Hit the ball right off his fingertips. So he has these moments where you're just like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And so he's 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 kind of maddening <laughs> to watch. And then Jalen Gill, I feel like is is criminally underutilized because he, when he gets the ball, is dynamic. He's got good hands, um, and I don't know why they've kind of shifted away from him. I don't know if there's something either injury that we just don't know about, but I, I feel like he would be much. The BC's offense would be much more beneficial to get him the ball more, and they just don't. And I, I feel like that's a, a missed opportunity for that offense. So if I if I think I I can recap this, you kind of hurt. A lot, not kind of, very hurt on the offensive line 
Yurkovich yep. is seeing ghosts. You have Zay Flowers, who is the guy, and then some kind of inconsistencies around the rest of the receiving core and a tight end who's pretty good but may or may not be hurt. Yep. What what would you be scheming up if you were trying to win this game? I guess it's the, it's the question I'm trying to formulate here. So that's a great question. And I, again, I go back to my co-host, Mitch, who who loves to look at like the positives and negatives of, of, of opposing defenses. And, you know, he's look, he's when he talked to me about it, you know, you, the, the initial reaction would be, you got to pass, you got to, you're going against the Wake Forest who's going to score points. You got to match them point for point. Right. Right. He's saying his thought. And I kind of think it's good is that, you know, Wake is not the biggest guys up front. And BC had success when they played against Louisville running the ball, which was crazy because they haven't done it any other te- against any other team. So his thought is actually what you need to do against a team like Wake is go against what the statistics are showing you, you know, f- for the whole season and try running the ball because you might find that your guys actually will get success against a team like Wake right. like they did against Louisville. And that might, and that also keeps Hartman on the bench. It, it sustains drives. It keeps your defense from getting gassed against an offense that moves so lightning quick. I think that might be where they have to go. And it's, it's, it's frightening because the offensive line has been so bad and the running game has been so inconsistent, but it might be the only chance for a team like BC against wake. I mean, it's not the worst strategy. I don't think people are probably going to try to employ, employ that strategy the rest of the yep. year. So yep. shifting to the defense, I've actually been pretty impressed, at least, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of BC, but at least from what I've watched from my own film room and just having them on the TV, I've been really impressed with the defensive line, especially the edges. You know, what have they really been given BC this this year so far? Yeah, you're finally getting to see Jeff Halfley's guys come in, which is is good. You know, you're seeing a few guys that are still the Steve Adazio typical, you know, prototype of a defensive end the guys like marcus valdez who is like 511 but 240 he's the leader out there fine but you're seeing what halfley wanted which is speed he wants speed on his defense so the first name you're going to watch for is number six donovan azaraku who is a red shirt uh no he's a sophomore excuse me um he's had some big games uh both against the run in the past and he's he is he's got the speed he's a little bit more on the underside i think he's like six two or um, six, yeah, six, two, but he's smaller, but he's got more of the speed moves and you get guys like him and Nito Paula, who's the other defensive end who plays a bunch, who is a track star from Georgia. So you, you see like kind of how they're kind of building that defense. And then you build that out with a lot of depth at defensive tackle, which is a credit to Halfley. Like a lot of the things that are not going right. Fans rightfully are blaming Halfley for a lot of it, but they're rolling out like six defensive tackles and all of them are, 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 or like good enough to start like they're good so okay. there's you're seeing more and more depth up front um and again like if they can stay into games if they can if they can keep the defense off the field these guys can play their game and put when they play their game they're like you said they're 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 good but when it's it's that moment when the track where the train gets off the track and that starts starts happening that they you, you know you see the guys with the hands on their hips and right that's that's when it starts to fall apart so, I mean, with that sort of at least competency, I, I, I like using the word competency because I think a lot of fans don't. They want it to be either really, really good, or if it's not bad, then it's really bad. And I think there's right. a level of, if a team is competent, that's a lot better than a solid 60 to 70% of college football players right now. 
Right. There are a lot of times you look at people like, you just don't know what you're doing out there. But so with this sort of defensive line, has it been able to give them flexibility to run, to run sort of a, are they running a cover two back there? Are they running cover one? Like what, what kind of coverage are, are we expecting to see from Boston College with that defensive front? The, and it's a good question because they, they mix things up. They go a lot of, uh, they do a lot of zone uh, cover one and um, you know, they do a, they, they usually are going to go with uh, a four two five defense. So you can only usually see two linebackers out there and a bunch of defensive backs. However, it'll be interesting to see again with injuries and college coaches, you have no idea. I feel like sometimes the best things you hear from the, from the, the students who are like, yeah, this kid lives on my hall and he's been on crutches all week. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I, I don't listen to that, but I get messages every now and then, but right. you know, there was like three, of BC's top five defensive backs that were out last week or two weeks ago. So they were, they've been kind of, you know, playing from behind the eight ball there and, and against a team like wake that is worrisome. So do you go with five uh, defensive backs out there or do you bring in the third linebacker, which they'll do on occasion. Um, but I think that like Halfley, that's his bread and butter is a secondary and he loves to, he loves to mix things up and to try to confuse def- uh, offenses. Right. There was one specific play last uh, two weeks ago when DJ goes back, you know, they were trying their best to confuse him. Right. And th- when he got, he threw an interception early in the game where BC, it was like when things were looking like, well, BC might be in this uh, where half of the field was in zone and the other half was in man. And DJ just had no clue what he was reading <laughs> and threw a, <laughs> threw a pass completely into the wrong spot. And BC made an easy interception. I think Halfley, you know, he loves to do a lot of smoke and mirrors and stuff like that. So I would expect a lot of that against Hartman. Okay. Well, I mean, at least I like the little fun chess matches of that. I think, especially with an experienced quarterback like Sam Hartman, it's always interesting to see what a team gives them where you have, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Florida State and Army are sitting there trying to just run cover two. And I go, maybe don't do that. Like, possibly just don't, (laughs) don't, don't just run cover two. I promise it's not going to end well. Um, but so, I mean, you mentioned kind of the, the, the DBs are, are, is, I guess, Halfley going to be okay with putting these guys on islands? Like how confident I think, do you think he's going to be in these guys going up against what might be the better, one of the better wide receiving cores in the, in the, yeah. at this point? I think he is. I think you're going to see probably, again, I hope he, I think he's just going to be healthy. He got knocked out of the Clemson game, but Elijah Jones, I would bet if they're going to go any man coverage, he's going to go on A.T. Perry um, because he's been a guy that's gone against a lot of the bigger wide receivers in the ACC. Um, and he's got, he's got the size. I think he's like six, two. Uh, so he can, he, in the athleticism to kind of hold his own against them. So I would expect that. And, you know, I think Josh DeBerry, he, he, who is the best defensive back BC plays. He plays a lot of nickel, but he, they throw him everywhere. And, and right. it's again, it's going to all depend on where these injuries are at. If CJ Burton, who's usually the other outside corner uh, missed last game and DeBerry got pushed to the outside. Uh, and then they moved this one of their safeties into the nickel. And it was, it's, I mean, they just, they, it's nice to have flexibility. Let's just leave it at that. Um, Cause the guys that they move around, I think are, are okay. Like Jason Matry, the guy that was playing safety was a corner under Steve Adazio. So he can do that. Um, but I think Halfley will put guys, you know, one-on-one if he has to. Um, and, and especially if he's going to bring pressure, I think you'll see a lot of that. Hello everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. 
It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. So, I mean, there's been kind of a lot of talk I've, I've heard, at least from you, of, you know, fans being not the happiest with mm-hmm. Jeff Halfley. I guess the question overall, I kind of want to move more to a macro sec- the part right now is, you know, what should the expectations be for the BC fan base and the BC football program? And is Halfley in this, and his tenure there has even meeting those? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so weird. And I, I have a hard time with where to sit with this, right? On one hand, it's you the the you know the wins and losses speak for themselves, and there's no you don't want to set excuses for you know anything, right? Like it, you 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 gotta just win, baby, right? You go right. you gotta go with you know um, I'm already blanking on who's the head uh, the the owner of uh, the Raiders. Oh, Al Davis. Al Davis was just yeah. win, baby, right? <laughs> Couldn't think of his name for a second there, um, <laughs> but. You look at the years, right? The Halfley's been here. It's three years. The first year, they go six and five with no expectations because it's the COVID year. Everything is weird, but they, you know, things are looking okay, right? They, they, they were one or two plays away from beating Clemson. Right. They hung against a ranked UNC team. They beat Pitt. Like they were, they were trending in the right direction. You saw Jakovic in an offense that looked good. Last year, expectations are very high because all of them are coming back. You have a manageable schedule, and what happens? Jakovic breaks his hand in a fluke play against uh, uh, against um, what's uh, UMass in the second week of the yeah. game it's season, and then he misses six games, and then comes back and plays either hurt, which you saw, or de- or deathly sick with the flu, like he did against Wake. That, that uh, he like, looked like he had a wet noodle for a wrist for like the last four weeks of the season. That was really weird. I don't know why he played through it. Because their other off, their other quarterbacks were just bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they just, you know, Emmett Moorhead, who's going to be the guy in the future, I think he hadn't played high school football, like because yeah, of COVID. Because COVID, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he wasn't ready, and Dennis Grossell was a mess. So like they couldn't. People started getting on Halfley for that because they didn't have a backup quarterback. Which I I took Halfley's back a hundred percent on that with you knew going into 2021 that Phil Dracovic was going to be your quarterback and that the expectations from everybody, national media, everyone was that he was going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. That was where things were at, at the end of 2020, what good backup quarterback was going to come and transfer to sit behind. (laughs) You're not going to get anybody, you know? So that's not on half. I mean, that's where I was at this year. I have a little bit more, I, I understand more of where the, the the criticisms are coming at, right? Right. You knew going into spring football that you were down at least four offensive linemen. You had a fifth that goes down before the summer, which you could still hit the transfer portal for. They got zero 
players in the transfer portal at the offensive line position. (laughs) That's on him. (laughs) And I don't, and truth be told, I don't know. He said he, he made a, a very interesting comment saying that he didn't know, you know, when he went out there, he's like, you know, those guys want a lot of money for offensive linemen that'll actually play. So BC has no NIL program right now, which is a, a whole other issue. Don't but <laughs> what's that? Don't you love it? <laughs> yeah, right. And so that, but I don't know. I, I, I think, I think he's right. But there's also like you could get, sur- I think you can get serviceable guys still in the transfer portal right. that aren't going to take NIL deals to get here. That's where I. I've heard and been talking to people like I think BC could have done a better job at that. That being said, some of the, I mean, the bigger issue is that, and then it's been becoming start of a trend here where you're seeing more and more of these games that happened against wake last year, where BC kind of holds together for a little bit. And then just the train just completely falls off the track right. and, and the game just escapes him. Right. So I think that piece I think is, is, is a, is a, a fair concern for a lot of BC fans. Um, and he's not on the, I don't, I don't consider him to be on the hot seat yet. And he shouldn't okay. be, mm-hmm. I don't think he should. Um, but I think next year, I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of this year. I honestly think of this week as another bye week Cause I just don't think BC has a chance, <laughs> but like, I look at what, the, what else they have on their schedule. Duke, I think is beatable. Yukon right. is beatable. NC state's playing without Devin Larry right. and I'm not buying on Syracuse. So. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I hear mixed opinions on Syracuse like every single day. So yeah. I'm personally just, I have no idea. Oh, and Notre Dame, who they get Notre Dame too, who is another team. I am throwing my hands up and going, I have no idea. Right. So like the last five games, a lot of stuff could happen, right? Like if BC's offensive line sort of just kind of goes in the right direction, like those games could all be 50, 50 games for BC. So I, I, I'm interested to see how this season ends because he said, you know, when I talked to Dave Dave DeGuglielmo, their offensive line coach during media day, I asked him, they said, you know, how's the offensive line looking? He was, he was blunt with me. He said, we're not where we need to be, but I expect them to be better by the end of the season. Um, And so I'm waiting to see that. I'm waiting to see if they continue to progress because these after wake, I think these last five games are all games that should show if there's progression or if they're just, if they're just broken, you know, that's, that's fair. Um, I, while you were, while you were explaining that I was also looking through the 2021 quarterback portal. Yep. It's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for whoever's listening, the portal isn't always a fix-all for anything. Not only do you not necessarily can find a backup, starters aren't good. <laughs> right. This, I think it's happily even said too. Like, there's a reason a lot of these guys are in the portal. <laughs> I, I mean, I look at it, like Joe Milton. He's, I mean, I know Hooker's a, a what do you call him Heisman candidate at this point. Yep. But not good. Kadon Salter is going to want to wanted to start. That's why he was in the portal. Levis wanted to start. Brewer got benched. Bailey Zappi was good, but it, yeah, Jack yep. wanted to start bad. Finley, yeah, this is this class was awful. <laughs> right, right, was terrible. <laughs> right. And so bringing it back, I guess to you know Saturday's affair. What can't BC do if they want to come? If they want to leave Winston Salem with a, with a win. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the big thing is they gotta they've gotta sustain drives. Like if you if they go three and out often or you know can't put together 
drives right. the end in points, the game's going to get out of hand fast because we've already seen multiple reasons, you know, you know, wake put up, uh, you know, what was it? 41 points against Clemson. Yeah, it was, I believe, 42 points. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like 40 plus points. Right. You, They can do that against a good defense. BC has to figure out a way to prevent Cle- from, preventing, from, from preventing Wake Forest from being on the field all the time. Right. And that has to be with having some semblance of, of run games, having some semblance of moving the sticks, keeping the third downs to manageables, because that's been a humongous issue for them as well. It's always third long because, you know, Jacoby's getting sacked, run, runs are going nowhere, keeping that kind of going. I think they have to, if they, if, if the, if we're seeing BC punt the ball often, you know, they may be able to keep the defense in it for a while again, like they did a little bit last year, but after a while, it's they're going to get worn down and that's, it's just going to fall, fall apart. Before I get to a prediction, how much did the flu really impact that? Because I remember covering being at the game. It was freezing yep. that day, by the way. Yep. And I just remember looking at the, at the warmups and everyone, I just saw everyone just looked so lethargic to me, but I didn't know if that was just, they were just that was that cold. It was the flu. I couldn't tell what was going on from my vantage point at least. So behind the scenes, when I talked to different staff members that weren't Halfley, who Halfley talks about it a little bit, but it sounded like 20 to 25 players on that roster on the two deep had the flu. Oh, <laughs> so they were, they were pretty, they were pretty sick. Oh, okay. Good to, yep. good to know. Yep. Um, so, I mean, kind of wrapping things up here, you got any predictions for the game? Mm-hmm. So I was actually looking at like the spread and I immediately was like, if it's 20 plus, I'm still taking wake. Um, so 20, I saw it at 20.5. I think BC will not cover that. Um, but it was interesting was I saw that the over under is like 61. I, I, I take the under on that. <laughs> I think I'm thinking of something like 41 to 10, 42 to 10, something like that. Um, and I think wake will, will, will cruise easily. You'll probably see your backups probably by the fourth quarter. I can, I can, I can definitely see that outcome coming up. Um, before yep. I let you go and, I, and you introduce yourself, I want to say, how has been the transition over to uh, Eagle Insider? We have, I've oh. been kind of talked to you since you've transitioned. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. I love being part of 247. Um, yeah, I was, I was part of Free Nation before, but um, I got the opportunity to take over for Tyler Calvaruso uh, this, in August. Right. And it's great. If you haven't checked out Eagle Insider, I ha- for Wake fans that are listening to this, I leave the boards open for any team. So I don't care if you want to come over and chat with BC fans, my, uh, my, my listeners are and readers are all uh, really chill. So if you want to, and funny because they're all pretty self-deprecating, at this point. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's been great. And I love, I love working with uh, so many experts, like whenever there's a commitment, like before it was all me on my own. Right. Right. But to have like Brian Doan, who's like, Hey, AJ, this guy's going to commit. And this guy's thinking about BC, like to know, like you have in this network, all these other national experts that work so well with the local guys, it's, it's going to be one of the best networks in the country. And it's, you know, for those folks that haven't bought the, the, the VIP deals, it, it, it's a it's a slam dunk, folks. You got to get in on it. Oh, one of the best deals. Yeah, shameless plug for me. I don't even. I'm not even paid by the sub. So what I mean, yeah. it's a it's a fantastic deal. Well, AJ, it's been great talking to you. Can you let people know where they can find you? <laughs> yeah. I'm, um. All right. So plug time. Here we go. So, <laughs> again, I'm the publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the Two Four Seven Sports Network. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. 
In addition to this, I am also the host of Locked On Boston College, a Boston College podcast that does daily BC podcasts. I feel like I have something wrong with me that I do this every single day. I talk about BC sports, um, but you can check that out. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you like me, if you think I'm funny, if you think I'm um, knowledgeable, just go to Locked On BC on YouTube and just hit subscribe. I promise you I won't flood your feed, but it would help me immensely if you did so. Uh, so check me out there. And I'm at AJ Black underscore BC on Twitter. I think I said that already, but that's that's my plugs. All right. Well, thank you so much, AJ. Um, it's been great talking to you. I'm looking for you right now. And I just threw you a nice little subscribe on YouTube. Just I know it helps out. Thank so, you. Uh, thanks, AJ. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. As always, go Deeks. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!